1: The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily.
2: It's the same old story for Chelsea as they stumble again in the Premier League. This time away at Brighton where the Seagulls were worthy of a score draw against the European champions and they faint further in their flickering title flame. If Harry Potter was the boy who lived, Graham Potter is the man who's linked to Everton of course this time who are searching for a successor to Rafa Benitez. But is it Frank Lampard who will be the chosen one after recent developments? Also on the show today, we'll discuss Brentford, whose rise to the Premier League has been nothing short of magical. Tonight, they get to host the big names of Manchester United. But what side of the Red Devils will we see after a somewhat Jekyll and Hyde season? Plus, will Leicester City feel the wrath of an irate Italian as Spurs boss Antonio Conte is still seething after that postponed North London derby? Will his side translate that fury into a full three points against the Foxes as they fight for the top four? I'm Niall, this is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast with a new show every day of the season. And alongside me on the show today, we've got two people who are mutual in their malevolence towards Manchester United. (laughs) Leeds fan Ian Brannan... And Man City fan Matt Pitter here. Morning, gents. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, Dale. <laughs> you might be at opposite ends of the table right now, but you're both linked in your mutual hatred of United. <laughs> Absolutely. Well,
3: uh, I'm not sure if it's a it's a hatred. It's just one of those things you have to live with, isn't it? It's just uh, just life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hatred if you've been doing it since birth, I guess. It's just kind it, of a... <laughs> it's a hatred uh, when
4: they made your life a misery in school. Trust me.
2: Yeah, I'm sure oh, you're yeah, milking it now Matt no doubt about it um, interesting we do have a City fan and a Leeds fan on the show today because Manchester United are in action tonight against Brentford we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast but first up let's look back at last night's Premier League game there was set to be two but of course Burnley versus Watford was postponed Burnley allegedly only have 10 first team players they've got some serious catching up to do in terms of games and that pressure will mount on them that game was off but at the Amex Brighton against Chelsea was on and it finished 1-1 between the Seagulls and the Blues. We said yesterday Matt that Chelsea were probably already out of the title race after losing to your team City at the weekend but this is another poor result which almost further cements that don't you think?
4: Yeah, um, Chelsea now dropped points in the last four league games now and for me just need to focus on the FA Cup and the Champions League and finishing in the top four basically because that, the title has gone now and it um, took us 12 points mm. off the top and City have a game in hand on them and you know the way they're playing right now. It's highly unlikely. You know we're we're gonna drop many points now um, between now and May. Um, Lampard was sacked after being 11 points off the top. So you know read into that what you will. But you know the success Tuchel um, had last season. We'll save him for now, obviously. But the promise that they had at the start of the season in terms of you know the league, there were a lot of people's favourites. A lot of pundits came out and said I'm favourite in Chelsea for the title. Especially you know after the signing of Lukaku, everyone thought that that was going to be you know the difference between us. And Liverpool and Chelsea, everyone thought that that signing was going to be the one, but it's ended up being disappointing. Obviously, with the the farce that happened with Lukaku a couple of weeks ago when he he came out with that interview. Yeah, it's just um, it's just been a disappointing campaign in the league for them. Obviously, the promise that they've had, but you know, it, it, if they obviously do well in the FA Cup and the Champions League and finishing the top four of the season might not be as big a disaster as what people are making out. And, you know, they've they've still got some games to turn it around. But as far as the league's concerned now, it's like 12 points off. And with a game behind City, you know, now nah, it's gone for me.
2: Matt's right, isn't he, Ian? Because at the start of the season, so many people did tip Chelsea to be Premier League champions at the end of the campaign. I know Jim, for a fact, was one of those people on this podcast who said he felt that Chelsea would go on. And on the opposite hand, Joel said that he felt that Chelsea would tail off. So it's interesting that you've kind of got two schools of thought. One that was almost like Chelsea weren't going to go beaten the whole season with the way they were defensively at the start of the campaign. And now you've got someone like Joel who's kind of been proven right. So where's it gone wrong for Chelsea if that's the right term to use because Matt highlights that Lukaku situation but in all fairness it, it you know there were signs of them possibly tailing off even before that Lukaku debacle took place so where in your opinion do you feel that Chelsea have come up short at times this season it's hard to put your finger on it isn't
3: it because you know we've we've mentioned over a few weeks that they've had one of the strongest defences in, not just in the Premier League, but in European football. So it's not for the lack of leaking stupid goals. They've been very hard to break down, but whether it's Lukaku or whether it's any other um, any other of the attacking force of, of Chelsea, probably goals has been their problem perhaps, even though they've been getting them. They just haven't been getting enough um, to really dominate sides. And, and we see... Um, teams like um, you know Liverpool or Man City in particular, you know they'll go out and they'll absolutely annihilate a team if they get a sniff of blood. We don't seem to have that killer instinct with Chelsea this season, and and that is probably the difference. And it's not that they're playing badly. It's just they're not playing quite as well as the other two teams that are really are you know laying the marker down at the moment. I think any other season, this Chelsea team would probably be romping away with it. But we're in an era where Man City are very strong, uh, Liverpool are very strong, two of the best teams, not just in the Premier League but of course in Europe, if not the world. And um, and that's just the difference. And they have been a bit indifferent in front of goal. And yeah, Lukaku's situation, you know, was a sideshow they didn't need, and and certainly cost them having him on on the pitch through obviously having to have sanctions against him but um you know maybe that is it but there's been other players that you, you would expect to, to have uh contributed more in front of goal as well and and they haven't um so yeah it is a funny one because they, they haven't been playing bad they just haven't been ripping people apart when they should have you know like brighton should have been there for the taking surely you know that's a case in point really that's a draw that should really have been a win
2: yeah, I mean, Brighton deserve their draw. And we'll come on to the yeah. Seagulls in a minute. But you're absolutely right. I mean, on paper, you'd expect Chelsea to be winning these sorts of games, particularly if they have aspirations to win the title, which no doubt they did. And you mentioned not being able to put your finger on why Chelsea have been performing the way they have been. Thomas Tuchel said exactly the same. And that was probably a month and a half ago, just before Christmas, when things really started to take a turn for the worse for Chelsea. And, you know, let's not... Um, overreact here. They are still well within the top four and probably will finish in the Champions League places. But when someone has accomplished as Thomas Tuchel is saying he's not quite sure what's going on, then you know that you might have a problem. And further to that, after the game last night against Brighton, which finished 1-1, Tuchel said, Matt, that his players are tired mentally and tired physically. And he says that the schedule is getting the better of them. They've obviously got the Club World Cup to contest as well in February. So that's another... Um, competition to throw into the mix. I know Chelsea have played a lot of games, but so have other clubs. I mean, your team, Manchester City, has played a fair amount of games. My argument would be, isn't that what a squad's for? And Chelsea have a decent squad in terms of depth and the quality they've got. So I know that it's a a valid excuse, I guess. But many people like me will be sitting here thinking, well, you've got loads of players, so why are they all tired?
4: Exactly. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there, Neil. This is why... The top teams build the big squads because they want to fight for every single competition that they're in. And we all know how notoriously difficult the Premier League is around winter time. They're not like the other leagues that get the winter break. So you just have to grin and bear it. And this season's been weird in that respect because it's just all of a sudden started to come to people's attention. Now, all of a sudden, you get these managers now that are moaning about the amount of games. It's always been that way. It's not like it's changed. It's not like as if the Premier League once had a winter break and now it's all of a sudden, no, we're not, we're not having that anymore. That's the way it's always been. You just have to. Go and bear it. Every team's going to get injuries, every team's going to go through it in different patches of form. You just have to get through it one game at a time. And I think it can be used as a bit of like a smoke screen, you know, to other like clubs like failings in the transfer market and building a squad. I remember watching an interview with uh, with Khal Doon when he did his um, end of season review, and he said, um, obviously, because City get a lot of flack, you know, especially now with uh, obviously being 12 points clear at the top and. You know, it's it's highlighted just how like sort of better we've spent than other clubs. He said, "I don't want our our clubs spending to be used as a diversionary tactic for other clubs' failings in the transfer market." And that's true. Other clubs have had money to spend. Liverpool have had money to spend. Chelsea have had money to spend. But it's just not working for them. And this is when they start turning it around. And rather than admitting their own failings, they start basically highlighting other things just to sort of like get it away from them. At the end of the day. The Premier League's a long season. We know it's tough, but these clubs just have to grin and bear it and just have to admit that they've just not been as good as the other sides that are are at the top at the moment. It's just one of those things that Tuchel, obviously he had the success in the Champions League last season. He's still in the Champions League now. He's got the FA Cup now. So, I mean, the Premier League is something that they was highlighted to win at the start of the season, but it's just not gone that way for them. So they just have to take it one game at a time now, finishing the top four and... um, like I said before, if they, um, if they stay in the FA Cup and the go far in the Champions League, it might not be a disastrous season for them.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Chelsea have faltered recently in terms of their league form. But it's actually, I think, a year next week that Thomas Tuchel's been in charge of Chelsea. You obviously replaced Frank Lampard, and we'll talk about Lampard, in fact, later on in the podcast. But... A year in charge for Tuchel. A couple of days ago, he won the men's coach of 2021 in the FIFA Awards. So he's had a pretty good first 12 months, albeit aside from the last couple of weeks, I guess, as Chelsea manager. So I guess if you're going to manage in the Premier League, the scheduling um, is something you're going to have to get used to. I mean, we say that, but even six years into the job, seven years into the job, Jurgen Klopp still complaining about the schedule. Uh, And Pep Guardiola has a moan every now and again as well. I think it's just something that happens. And like you say, Matt, it's, it's something that managers will have to get used to. As four managers, Graham Potter is someone who, as we discussed on yesterday's show, Ian, has drawn so much praise for his style of play at Brighton, the way he deals with the media. They deserve their draw, a bullet header from Adam Webster, who was outstanding last night at the back for Brighton, I thought. He got the equaliser from a set piece. And with that result now, that's even more focus on the job that Graham Potter... Is doing. I even saw one Crystal Palace fan on social media yesterday say, "I hope Potter takes the Everton job because I can't stand seeing Brighton have such a good manager." (laughs)
3: Um, Yeah, I, I I think though that with um, with these situations where we have managers who, I mean, look at Eddie Howe being another example. You know, did a great job Mm. at a team of a certain size. Obviously, Bournemouth, Brighton. Obviously, I don't want to compare them in terms of size, but uh, you know they're they're, they're not um, a, a top six side with a with a forty six thousand stadium and, and all the rest that goes with it. They've done a good job, and and they ground out the results, and they play a certain kind of football that that sees them well in in the Premier League. It's sometimes that you need that X factor, don't you? And and that that little something you can't put your finger on to be a manager at a top club. Now, uh, Everton have designs of, of of being further up the table than they already are um does he have that magical factor that magical thing that is gonna really get top top players to to bind to what he's doing and we're seeing now that Eddie howe perhaps having a little bit of a, a tricky time at, at Newcastle you know I don't think the fans are getting restless but you know he's they've still only had one win and and uh, he's Yes, we know that he, we know he's a great coach, and we've seen it before with great coaches. Steve McLaren is another one you know, did did brilliantly. is is revered within football as being a great coach, but didn't have that magical spark that Tuchel maybe has or Klopp has, and that's the difference. It's it's a personality thing, and can he really? When the when the chips are down, can he really, you know, grapple with the media and all the all the sideshow that comes with it and put them in their place and manage it? People like Klopp, people like Guardiola can. But there's there's charisma, some... I think. Exactly, charisma, X factor, personality. You know, that been there, seen it, done it thing. And you know, Graham Potter uh, has done a fantastic job, but he hasn't won league titles elsewhere around the world where Guardiola can sit there and say. Come on, then. You know, I've I've won La Liga, I've won the German League. You know, I, I've 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 what, what are you going to say? I, c- I can do it all, pretty much. Uh, but uh, with Graham Potter, you don't have that. And and I think with with players that have got a certain ego, maybe then things become difficult. Would be my personal thing. And I, I think he's a great guy, and I think he's a, he's a talented coach. But when the pressure's really on, can he? You know, can he still be as cool? Then would be my. Maybe he can. I'm not saying he can't. But that's that's the question
2: mark. Well, I'm going to correct you here, Ian, because uh, Graham Potter has won a league title. He won the Swedish third division in 2012 oh, with Östersunds. I... <laughs> yeah, that well, well,
3: oh. Who 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 uh, who? Yeah. Who could forget that night? (laughs) Uh,
4: Remember when he played Arsenal in Europa League, he was manager, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, but
2: I'm only only messing with you. I I totally know what you're saying. (laughs) Um, It's it's one of those things where uh, people will look at Graham Potter, and I think because he's one of the finest English managers, I think that that uh, leads to more attraction from the press as well. No doubt he's doing a brilliant job at Brighton and his Seagulls side drew 1-1 with Chelsea last night. Two more Premier League games taking place this evening. We'll talk about those next after this.
1: Football Social Daily.
2: Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
0: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire.
0: Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Jumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that
3: case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Sport Social's Football Social Daily, part of the Sport Social Podcast Network. Loads of great shows on the network. If you head to the website, sport-social.co.uk, click the podcast tab at the top of the page. You'll find our full suite of sporting podcasts to get your ears around, including Humans of Speedway, which is back featuring our very own Ian Brannan. Um, A couple of exciting episodes coming up, Ian.
3: Oh, yes, yes. Well, we're doing um, this month. I'm, I'm speaking to what they call the rising stars, you know, the uh, the young British talent who are coming through at the moment. And um, last week we spoke to a kid called Jordan Palin, who is um, 17 years old and already a, a top uh, Premiership League champion. He was in a team at Peterborough that they've dubbed Dad's Army because it was full of, what shall we say, veterans, <laughs> but they won the so, league. So hang
2: on. Does he even have a driving licence yet? Just just. So he's only just got a driving license for a little old Corsa or Renault Clio and he's driving around a dirt track with no brakes. <laughs> you, can, you can race speedway bikes, I think, at 15 if you're in the, in the, the bottom league. So he's
3: uh, he started early. So that was last week and a great episode, the biggest episode I've done, actually. And today the new one is another rising star, uh, Jordan Jenkins, who is um, a racer for, um, for Red Car, but um, he's also heading to Poland um this year which is where like the center of where all speedways at so he's he's, he's making his first dabble into that league and uh, he talks uh, all about that and also palmos in
2: middlesbrough which he has not tried yet but uh, <laughs> all that and much more check it out yep humans of speedway available on the sports social podcast network and also wherever you get your podcasts loads of great shows that website again is sport-social.co.uk Time now to talk about the Premier League games taking place tonight, starting with the game at Brentford Community Stadium, where Manchester United. Are the visitors. United are the only team in the league this season, along with Leicester, to have scored in all of their away games. As for Brentford, their problem is conceding first half goals. 21 times they've shipped a goal in the first half, more than any other Premier League club. Makes for interesting reading statistically, but it's also been an interesting week at Manchester United in general. They surrendered a two-goal lead to Aston Villa in the Premier League at the weekend. There was this fallout with Anthony Martial supposedly refusing to travel to that game at Villa Park and then being left out by Ralph Rangnick. They played well in the first 40 minutes or so of that game uh, against Aston Villa, but the second half, not so much. I feel like that's a little bit indicative of where Manchester United are at the moment, Matt. I mentioned Jekyll and Hyde at the top of the show, and it certainly feels like that at times. Sometimes they can be good, other times they can be terrible.
4: Yeah, they they seem to have just like sort of continued where they left off with with Saoirse, in my opinion really. I mean, obviously the results haven't been absolutely, you know, like disastrous, but they've not been great and the performances haven't gri- been great neither. I mean, look at what happened to them against Villa at the weekend, you know, not much has re- changed in the regard of them just relying on, you know, moments of individual brilliance from certain players just to get them through the games and win them the points, you know. Ragnik may have implemented more tactics into their play and sort of like shape, like being a a bit more like disciplined, but, you know, they're still dropping silly points and the performances aren't great as a whole. So it it will be interesting to see if they turn up tonight, you know, with Ronaldo being back in the side. You know, they've still got the FA Cup and the Champions League, but if they go out of either of those competitions and don't finish in the top four next season, it will be incredibly difficult for them to attract a top full-time manager and any like world-class players that can turn things around for them on the pitch. You know The Champions League is a massive lure for top coaches and top players, so as much as they are a huge name in the world of football, their name and status can only get them so far, because let's be realistic, what top players or top coach are going to want to go to a club that are in a transition of, Basically being rebuilt from the ground up because that's what United need for me at the moment. They need a, a basically just a, a full refurbishment. They need everything just changing because you, you see it with the attitude. It seems to be they're just relying on their their status as a, as a massive club as a as a global brand. But if your club aren't doing well on the pitch, then then what's the point? It's it's not going to work. You need the money for the Champions League. You need the sponsorship money. You need the money from the Champions League, and you need that to attract the top players. And the top coaches, like I said, if United don't get the top four this season, that should be their priority for me. If they don't get the top four, then the only chance of them getting into the Champions League is by winning the Champions League. And that's highly unlikely, in my opinion.
2: That point you make, could you liken it to AC Milan, for example? who were a real heavyweight of European football and Serie A. They were winning titles. They've won multiple Champions Leagues. I think in '05, of course, they got to the final and famously lost to Liverpool. In '07, they got to the Champions League final and beat Liverpool. But they're a club who, despite their famous stadium, famous stature and world recognition really fell off the pace a little bit when it came to Serie A and it's taken them a while to build themselves back up could you draw comparisons between the two do you think
4: exactly it doesn't matter how big of a name you are in the world of football AC Milan are one of the most prestigious clubs ever especially when it comes to the Champions League and stuff like that. but Mm. if 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 things just start to change if other clubs like you know in in uh, Serie A like clubs like Atalanta that have started to come to the forefront that are goal scoring machines you know playing under Gasparini there's 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 a there's a chance that clubs like uh, Man United, AC Milan can be left in the past, especially if they don't change their mindset, or their mentality. This is what they, these kind of clubs seem to do. It's okay, we're AC Milan, or it's okay, we're Manchester United. We'll get through it. No, you're in a danger of being left behind. You're in a danger if if you fall out of the, the favour of challenging for league titles or challenging for. Um, European cup places. There's a chance that it could take a number of years for you to get back into it. I think how long was it? About six or seven years since AC Milan have been in the Champions League since they got back in it this season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But and I totally agree with with what you're saying. You know, football doesn't but stand still. Um, doesn't give no. anyone anything for free. No, absolutely. No, you're totally right. And you know it is. A a real period for Manchester United to try and get things right, I think. And there have been links as well with the new permanent manager that could arrive in the summer. Um, Rangnick was talking about contracts and stuff in his pre-match press conferences. Paul Pogba's been linked with moves away and there are players coming to the end of their contracts. Um, Two players who aren't quite at that stage are Cristiano Ronaldo and Marcus Rashford, Ian. It's unsure if they'll be involved with the matchday squad tonight due to knocks. How do you see the season unfolding for those two players, Ronaldo and Rashford, between now and May and also Manchester United in general off the back of what Matt's just said?
3: Yeah, I mean, Manchester United are definitely in a transition, (laughs) you have to say. And there's a story, um, I think it came out from the press conference yesterday about looking to change the formation that they've been playing because I think that's been part of the thing. They've not had a standard formation that they've really stuck to. Um they were playing 4-2-2-2 uh to begin with, and then I think now they're willing to go back to the basic 4-3-3, very much what they uh they deployed against Aston Villa. Um so then once they make up the mind of which which um formation they're gonna play, that will certainly help. Um Cristiano Ronaldo, I keep seeing these stories and maybe it's because it's um, you know, transfer window time and all that and it's an easy story, isn't it, just to link Cristiano Ronaldo with a move. But you know, he um you can you can imagine that if things aren't going his way and they're not having the the trophies and the success then players like that are going to start getting twitchy feet aren't they you're not going to stick around just for the cash he he wants to win stuff because he's got more money than you can shake a stick at so with Cristiano Ronaldo, yes, he's got some some knocks now, and he's he's no spring chicken, as we well know. But will he move on for a, for a big payday somewhere else in the future? I, I would I would question that. And if if he doesn't really take to uh, Ragnick's uh, methods, and he doesn't like whoever is going to come in permanently, whenever that happens, then I can see his uh, his head being on a swivel. Um, Rashford, I, I'm not I'm not so. Particularly concerned. Out, I think he's he's always been a player that's been a bit sort of hit and miss, but really has, has tended to deliver when it's when it's countered, you know. And and yes, he struggled with injuries as well in the past. Um I'm I'm not so I, I don't really see Rashford moving away of his free will. It I suppose it depends on, on um the powers that be at Manchester United whether they see him being part of the plans. But he seems to me to be a, a Man United player through and through and uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he would want to change. I think they'd probably stick with him and I'm, we know that he's got talent and form, it's just not there at the moment and um I give him time I think on that one. But I think Ronaldo's the you know, I think he's a bit more of a loose cannon though, isn't he?
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see what happens with Manchester United between now and the end of the season. As Matt says, they're in the Champions League at the moment, but the top four, they are still some distance off of that. They need to pick up points and they'll aim to do so tonight away at Brentford. The other game taking place this evening in the Premier League is at King Power Stadium where Leicester hosts Spurs. Now, Leicester have had injuries. They've got players away at the Africa Cup of Nations. But they go into this game, Ian, in 10th and they do have games in hand. They've not been very consistent this season, the Foxes, it's fair to say. But do you think come the springtime, when things start to level itself out, players coming back from injury, the African Cup of Nations will be done and dusted. Do you think we'll see them edge closer to the top six pitcher? Are they simply too good to still languish in 10th or is that taking it for granted, I guess? Well, it's hard to say. Springtime is uh, the perfect time for foxes to get on the move, as we well know. And uh, will they
3: will they follow that? I mean, they've got a few games in hand as well. That's the the thing you've got to um, take into account there. So the what on eighteen, they've got three games behind uh, Brighton. So if they won those games in hand, they'd be what thirty eight points. They'd be fourth if they won their games in hand um, par- parallel to the other teams around. So yeah, it's it's probably a bit of a false picture, isn't it? On, on that note you know they, they are in 10th but yeah those games in hand could make a could make a big difference uh, assuming they win them all of course um so definitely not out of it yet but we know that Leicester are, are a tough team to break down I certainly see them as a top top six contender I, I, I wouldn't suggest they're going to get anywhere higher than that but they could quite easily um catch Spurs and Arsenal up definitely um and yeah, they're, they're a steady away team. They're not. They're not going to win any titles, I don't think. Or maybe I don't know. They're still in the FA Cup, uh, yeah, 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 but yeah. Um, you know. So, so there's that. But yeah, they're 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 not. They're they're too good for mid table, but they're not good for the top of the table.
2: <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> I totally get you. And you know, there will have been disappointment at Leicester City, particularly after going out of the Europa League at the group stage. That would have really hurt Leicester, seeing as they were the bookies' favourite to go all the way and win it, yeah. Um. along with the team that actually knocked them out, Napoli, which is very, very interesting. And you mentioned the top four. If they win all their games in hand, they could be up and in with a chance of getting into the top four, overtaking the likes of West Ham, Arsenal and, of course, Spurs, who they face tonight. And we could say something similar about Tottenham, Matt. You know, it's all about top four for them. And if they win their games in hand... They could be in with a shout of finishing in the Champions League places, which would be massive for Conte in terms of an achievement and for Tottenham in terms of what they want as a club with the new stadium and them falling off the pace a little bit to get back into the Champions League would be a brilliant boost for them. But there's no doubt that Antonio Conte is still absolutely fuming after that Arsenal game was postponed at the weekend. Do you think that they can and they will channel that annoyance, even though it's more from a hierarchical point of view rather than the players? Do you think... Conte will try and impose that frustration on his players because it's been a while now since they've played, and a win will take them a point behind West Ham in that tight race for the top four.
4: Yeah, absolutely. They've, uh, there's a lot riding on it from tonight, really. Uh, they could leapfrog Arsenal into fifth with a win, and you know still have a game in hand on them. So there's yeah, like I said, there's a lot riding on it. Um, they've played the least amount of games of any club this season, along with Leicester. You know, not played since the FA Cup tie against Watford. So yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, one to see how this one pans out. You know, both sides have quality on both sides, have quality managers to bat them up. Um they've both had like disappointing seasons by their standards so far, but like we were talking about before, um they've still got games in hand to sort of like rectify that. They've had um in different form this season in the league, you know, along with injuries to key players and stuff like that. So they just need to take each game as it comes now and if either of them can get um, a decent run of results going. You know, it could turn the season around and like I said before, plus both still in the FA Cup. So a, cu- a good cup run could be something that's a positive for them. Um, as the season goes on, obviously Leicester's Europa League campaign that may have been like a hindrance for them, and obviously they went out in disappointing circumstances. But you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of clubs um, without that squad and like sort of depth and regular Euro- European experience. You know, it's it wasn't a surprising thing for me that Leicester went out. He was obviously the Bucky's favourite, but the injuries and stuff like that will catch up with them. Um, you'll know more than me now because you've covered them this season. But yeah, it's an interesting tie this one. Um, I think it'll be a tight one but like you was talking about before I think obviously with the way that that happened over weekend with Tottenham and Arsenal being postponed I can see Tottenham just edging this one
2: out. Mm. I think Harry Kane's record against Leicester is one to to shout about as well. I think 15 goals in 12 games against Leicester, which is a really good record. And for me, I think Leicester this season highlight how important it is as a manager sometimes to take players out of the firing line when they're having a bad game or a bad run of games. Um, Someone like Shagla Suyuncu is a perfect example where lots of people were talking about um, how bad Leicester's defence was in terms of the injuries that they had and one game recently they had to play I think Amate and Didi as the two centre backs and then they had Luke Thomas and I can't remember who, who else was playing in the back line, but it was a very sort of bare bones, is it? Yeah, misshaped back four basically. And they went on and I think got a really good result in that game. I can't remember specifically what game it was, but I remember distinctly that back four. And you know, if you would were- picking players in terms of what you would rather have for solidity. You'd be picking two first-choice centre-halves like Evans and Soyunchi, but I think both of them were unavailable for whatever reason. So even though Rodgers didn't pick them because they were injured or whatever the reason was, them being out of the firing line actually eased a bit of the pressure and the expectations were lower and therefore it kind of led to this a bit more of a relaxed feel and they went on and got the result. So I think it shows sometimes that you do need to just take players out of the firing line when things aren't going to plan. Can Spurs afford to do that though with their forward players? I don't think they can because I feel like with Harry Kane, he's one of those players that if he scores a goal, he'll be on a roll and I just, I'm just, just still waiting to see that spark from Harry Kane. Interesting that we're now you know, 19 days into a transfer window after a massive saga last summer and no single word has been said about Harry Kane. I feel like maybe that is his chance to move gone or will City revisit it in the summer? So many interesting questions when it comes to the transfer side of things, particularly with Spurs, because we've also mentioned that if Antonio Conte doesn't get the players he wants, will he still be around? We're like 10 days away from the end of the transfer window and I've not seen Spurs linked with anyone bar Adama Traore. So, I'm thinking, are they going to sign any players? I feel like they have to, really. But that's another question. Their latest focus will be the game away at Leicester City tonight in the Premier League. So, those two games taking place this evening. Brentford Man United, Leicester Spurs will have match reviews of those on the website tomorrow, sport-social.co.uk. And also, I'm sure we'll discuss them on tomorrow's podcast. Time for another break now. And afterwards, we'll be talking about Frank Lampard because he's been linked with a vacant Everton job. Does he deserve an interview? With We'll talk about it next after this. Football's social daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.
1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back, this is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall, I've got Matt and Ian with me and the Everton job is vacant at the moment. Rafa Benitez was sacked on Sunday after a dismal spell in charge of the Toffees which saw one Premier League win in 14 games. They've won just once since September in the top flight and the defeat to Norwich City who were bottom of the table at the time was the final straw for the powers that be at Goodison Park. Rafa was sacked and now there's a vacant post in the hot seat at Goodison Park. We've discussed Wayne Rooney a little bit on the podcast this week, even Graham Potter. Martinez as well, who's currently managing Belgium and Belgian FA has refused the option for Everton to talk to them because of course it is a World Cup year so Martinez and his coaching staff seem like they'll be staying put as Belgium coaches. But now Frank Lampard's name is cropping up again Ian, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like every job in the Premier League that comes available, Frank Lampard is in there with a link.
3: Well, yes, he's, uh, well, every out-of-work manager is, has uh, is been linked with, uh, with any decent job going, of course. But yeah, it's not a surprise to see Frank Lampard's name tossed in there. Um, when it comes to the Everton manager search, um, I take my guidance and info- information from, from the Oracle of Everton, the, the, the Buddha of Merseyside. <laughs> who just speaks such truths on football, Brexit, politics, and anything else, I ask the thoughts of Neville Southall. Uh, now, Neville Neville Southall has revealed that he would be devastated, devastated, his words, if they brought back Roberto Martinez. So chalk him straight off. That's not going to be happening. Neville will not stand for it. Um, Neville is, says that it, it, it should not be a decision. It should be cut and dried straight away, Duncan Ferguson is the man for the job, uh, and it seems that he is certainly one of the favourites. Um, the Liverpool Echo correspondent this morning, away from Neville Southall, Neville Southall very much firmly named his his colours to the mast of Duncan Ferguson. But um, they they reckon on Merseyside this morning, uh, looking at the the Liverpool Echo, that uh, you know Duncan Ferguson to the end of the season, uh, and or uh, Wayne Rooney. Uh, are, the, are the two front runners, but of course, you know Frank Lampard is, uh, is going to be tossing his name in the hat because why wouldn't you? You know, if, if you're wanting to get back into into management, it's, it's it's the job going at the moment in the Premier League if if that's what you want to do. So, but that would be disastrous for Derby County, wouldn't it? Though, if uh, if Wayne Rooney were to uh, to, to up and and go back to his boyhood club, and you can see exactly why uh, that would be an attractive um, option for him, but. Um, yeah, with Frank Lampard though, I don't know. Is he? Does he get it? We've seen. We've seen what you know. Rafa Benitez, great manager and all, but there's a thing and certain clubs, isn't there, that you've you've got to you've got to be one of the gang. And is is Frank Lampard one of the Everton gang? No, never never played for a Merseyside team. Certainly never played for for, for Everton. I don't think. Um, Wayne Rooney, obviously, it. It it fits, doesn't it? Same with Duncan Ferguson. And I think having had what they've had with with Rafa, I think they probably want somebody who's got some sort of affinity to the club in some way. Hence why it might be an attractive um, thing to leave Duncan in charge, at least for the end of the season, uh, and see how it goes, uh, or at least give him a few games. Um, And obviously Wayne Rooney is a no-brainer, isn't it? But um, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm not sure that they would really take... to to Frank Lampard
2: on Merseyside I've got to be honest I think it's really interesting with Wayne Rooney and Lampard both being linked for this job Matt because Frank Lampard went from Derby County where he took them sixth in the championship into the playoffs which is a decent achievement but it's not groundbreaking and then all of a sudden got the Chelsea job because the timing was right but it was extremely early in his managerial career he had been manager of Derby County for one season and then he was drafted in as a club legend to take charge of Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the country with massive expectations. When it comes to Wayne Rooney, he's now managing Derby and in my opinion has done a better job with Derby than what Frank Lampard did purely because of the hand he's been dealt and how much they're in dire straits financially, you know, still trying to fight off relegation having had 21 points taken off of their tally at the start of the season. So they've had a real uphill struggle. Rooney's done brilliantly but he's still very, very early in his managerial career and Will there be a sense of abandonment if he leaves Derby now to go to Everton? I just think it's interesting that two managers who have managed Derby and then possibly could get a massive opportunity within months of managing that club. uh, And it's now between the two of them, it feels like, because according to reports, Frank Lampard is going to get an interview and so will Wayne Rooney. So I guess it's a straight shootout between the two. I just think the narrative here is pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, um, there was obviously the news that came out from Derby recently about another transfer embargo. Um, being put on them so yeah that could obviously swing Wayne Rooney towards wanting to manage Everton As, apart from obviously him being a boyhood Everton fan and it'd probably be a, a massive dream job for him I just think sometimes clubs can be blinded by a bit of nostalgia like we've seen that with Chelsea let's get Frank Lampard in. he's a club legend it's perfect for us it's perfect for him what can go wrong we've seen what could go wrong you know he only had a 49% win percentage at Chelsea which isn't great at all you know considering you know the money that he spent and you know as as inexperienced as he was he went into the job you know he'd like I said he did have that money behind him um I think VS Boas 48% was like the only manager with like a lower win, percent, win percentage really um yeah the only thing that he did really when he went to to Chelsea there Lampard he, he promoted youth and players like Mason Mount benefited massively from that and if it's the other way around, if, if Rooney does end up going to Everton, I, I can see that being the case. But like I said before, clubs can be blinded by nostalgia. If Rooney obviously leaves Derby, Derby fans are going to be fuming. But, I mean, who can blame him? If if that's the case, who can blame him? It's his boyhood club. It's a chance to manage in the Premier League. And it's a chance for him to turn their... their, um, their their fortunes around it can't get any worse than what's really happened with Rafa. Like you said, one win since September, it's been toxic there recently. They need that. They need that spark. And as much as obviously they love Duncan Ferguson, he's not going to be a long term. He's not going to be a long term thing. He's another club legend. He might get a couple of results, you know, like new manager bounce kind of thing. Um, but Everton need to sort this out. They need to sort it out quickly because they can get sucked into a relegation battle. And they're, 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 I'd say they're in one already, to be honest, judging on form and you know morale of the players. If Rooney, if Rooney goes there. I wouldn't blame him. Derby fans, you know, obviously they would they would, they would, would be upset, but they couldn't blame him either. It's going to be an interesting, um, like I said, it's a straight shootout between him and Lampard. Is Lampard's Premier League experience a little bit going to swing his way? Who knows? But um, he, like I said, he, he, he didn't have a lot of Premier League experience, did he? He only had, what, probably half a season at Chelsea. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks now for Everton. And obviously they've got the transfer window as well.
2: This was mentioned on Sunday's Football Social Daily, but it does feel like the populist vote is Wayne Rooney with all of the links and all of the kind of hysteria around it and that fairy tale going back to your boyhood club and kind of getting them out of a hole. I mean, I can see exactly why fans are keen for a big Duncan Wayne Rooney duo to take charge of Good- uh, Goodison Park on the touchline. Just bringing it back to Lampard, though, Ian. He allegedly turned down the Norwich City job earlier this season. That's according to some reports, as he felt that he warranted a bigger role due to the part he played at Chelsea when he was manager there. Is this that opportunity? Is this the opportunity that he's been waiting for? And in turn, has he achieved enough just yet in his managerial career career, to warrant being linked with these massive jobs? I guess the argument is if Wayne Rooney's being linked, then why shouldn't Frank Lampard?
3: Yeah, but um, Wayne Rooney's currently a manager and Frank Lampard hasn't managed a club for a how long you know so a year nearly exactly so you, you do get out of the groove surely um Wayne Rooney's doing it now and uh, you know there's those day to day skills perhaps that that are transferred i don't know is is what is lampard waiting for i mean the 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 norwich um job was always going to be a tricky job because of where they are and how they're going to probably go down and you don't want to be associated with that. And, you know, yeah, right? we can see why he wouldn't. But at the same time, he had such a, an amount of the season left to change that around, to put his stamp on it. And, OK, maybe there were things behind the scenes that he wasn't being backed. With Everton, though, as as um, Matt just mentioned, you know, they they could easily find themselves in it if, if they keep losing. They're not um, safe by any stretch of the imagination, um, so it's he's, he's still going to be a job to be done there by whoever does take the the, the, the challenge on um, full time so yeah I, but I don't know what he's waiting for it, it, when we talk about what he achieved well what did he achieve he had he had the, one of the richest clubs in the world to go at some of the best players in the world to go at you know we could all probably do a half decent job with Chelsea <laughs> just because you got the best players in the world you've
4: got any basic knowledge about football going into Chelsea you should be able to do or relatively okay because like i said he had, he had he had money to spend and he has knowledge of the club and the fans as well he probably knew how he how the fans wanted him to play out the style of play that he wanted but it just it just like some things just don't work out unfortunately and it, yeah that was the case with lampard
2: yeah i think a lot of people when it comes to lampard will use the not excuse but the kind of argument that there was a transfer embargo when he first went there and obviously trying to get the most out of those young players was kind of his trademark his blueprint at Chelsea and what he still dines out on I guess but when he did get the opportunity to spend money when that embargo was lifted he spent what was it 50 million on Timo Werner and a similar amount on Kai Havertz. so you know those two players who are very good players have they really shown their full potential in terms of the money that he was given to spend is it something that um really warrants him a stab at a, a job like Everton who knows i think they have to get it right though i think we can all agree on that when it comes to Everton because they can't be in the similar situation Matt to what they were with Benitez because it's been a shambles
4: no no absolutely not i mean like i was i was mentioning before it's it's only going to be an improvement really i can't see it going too much wrong um, than what he did with Benitez at the end of the day Everton now they just need they need to take a gamble they can't afford not to because like they they are in danger of having their uh, their record taken away from them it, I'm sure it's only them and Arsenal who have never been relegated in their history that could you know sort of change very very soon if, if things <laughs> if, if if things don't start to, uh, to turn around for them at the end of the day, it, it, Rooney's proven now going in, into Derby County, like we were saying, the start of the season, he had so many points taken off them, and, and he's making a fight of it. No one gave him a chance, and they give, they're giving themselves a chance. And Rooney's been there; he's seen it; he's done it on a on a club level as a player. Going into a club like Everton, like he's going to get backed by um, by the owners. He, they've spent a lot of money Everton on basically on. <laughs> let's let's be, let's <laughs> let, 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 let's, be, let's be realistic. Not many of their transfers have paid off, which is is. is been seen on the pitch maybe he can go in there with a bit of knowledge and obviously he has that sort of like attraction you know like um, we've seen with Gerrard with Coutinho going to Aston Villa would you ever have seen Philippe Coutinho 140 million pound player playing at Barcelona going to Aston Villa what's the reason why he went to Aston Villa I'll tell you what it is it was Stephen Gerrard I'm telling you now because they played together at Liverpool if he goes to Everton he could be that sort of like link between getting a, a better player than what they usually be linked with, do you know what I mean? Wayne Rooney what a player he was, England's all-time top goal scorer, Man United's all-time top goal scorer, one of the biggest legends in the game, so that could be um, something that um, attracts the, the better players to Everton if he decides to go there
2: This is all leading to 42-year-old Ronaldo signing for Everton in the Championship <laughs> as they fight for the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> Well we'll watch with intent what happens at Everton, they're still looking for a new manager will it be Rooney, will it be Lampard, will it be Big dunk till the end of the season. Whatever it is, we'll keep you updated here on Football Social Daily. But that is it for today's podcast. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate your time as always. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show again. We'll be back again tomorrow and we'll speak to you then.
1: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport
2: social.co.uk.